Thanks, Darren. Morning, everybody. My name's Kirk. He's the Young Adults Minister here. It's time to talk about Jesus' baptism. Uh, it's, a short, it's a short reading this morning from the Bible. I'm surprised we didn't continue on in the next chapter because there's this really interesting section. Uh, if you look at um, some of the lists in here, you know, this is where we just go through... Uh, Joseph was the son of Heli and the son of Mathad and the son of Levi and the son of Melchi and the son of Jani and the son of Joseph. And that goes on for over a page. Uh, so if you're wondering why the Bible reading was short, it's just because there's a list of names <laughs> quite soon afterwards. Um, but significant things happen in this short uh, section in the Bible. And so we're going to have a look at that this morning. Have a look at Jesus' baptism. For some reason, uh, this, this passage reminds me of... Hong Kong action movie director John Woo uh, and it's not a reference many of you will get but and I, I was going to show a clip but there's a little bit too many like fly kicks and punches and stuff in his movies to show at 10 o'clock in the morning but there's this theme in every one of his movies where when something epic is about to happen when there's going to be a confrontation between the hero and the villain he always has a dove fly through the scene or multiple doves. This is the thing. So, if you ever see any of these movies, you just know, oh, something big is about to happen because there's doves. White doves. This is just a th thing that he does in his movies. And I'm reminded of this because something very profound happens uh, involving something like a dove in this particular passage that we're looking at. Um, and uh, we're, meant to, we're meant to take notice. And when this dove appears in the scene, uh, we're meant to take notice something epic is actually about to happen. So uh, let's set the scene, right? So we've got, and the video did a, a pretty good job with this. So we've got John, so often referred to as John the Baptist. And he's Jesus' second cousin. We, at least I think he's a second cousin. He might be second cousin once removed. or I'm not exactly how, sure how the second cousin thing works. But you know where we say second cousin is like, just describe someone who's related to you, but not like as close as a cousin. Okay, so this is, this is John and Jesus, their relatives. And John has baptised heaps of people, uh, in the, and particularly in the Jordan River. And he's got a movement started around baptism. He's, come on everyone, come and get baptised, it's going to be great. And, what's, and then he was telling people, as he was baptising, saying, there's going to be another guy turn up, uh, he's my second cousin, or maybe second cousin once removed, I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, so we, but when he turns up, we need to pay extra special attention to him. And it's, it's almost like this baptism movement that John was doing was preparation for the arrival of the next guy, who is Jesus. And so then in this scene, uh, in this short Bible reading that we have, Jesus arrives. I'm just going to read it again for us um, now we've got the scene set. So it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying. Uh, and as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Let's pay attention to that. And a voice came down from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, what was John's baptism about? Why was he putting people under the water and bringing them back out again? Well, uh, earlier on in Luke chapter 3, we realized that um, people were repenting of their sins and turning to God to be forgiven. So tonight we've got a, we're going to have actual baptisms happening during the service. Andrew Simpson and uh, Rochelle Hammond are both getting baptised at our evening service. And 
Repentance is a big part of what they'll be doing when they, baptize, when they get baptized. I'll talk about what repentance means in a minute. Now, when we baptize people today, there's a bit more going on than just repentance. We're also talking about Jesus' death and resurrection, and we're remembering that uh, in a very special way. But of course, Jesus hasn't died and risen yet because he's there getting baptized himself. So, so this is like you know, an early version of baptism compared with what we've got today. Um, and so it's symbolizing simple repentance. Now, okay, what is repentance? Well, there's two important steps to repentance. The first step is to stop doing whatever sin you're involved in. Okay? So sin is, is our bad behavior. It's when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, when we act or think or say things in a way that puts us at the center and puts God and other people off to the side and makes them less important than ourselves. There's all sorts of ways we can do that. And so when we're repenting, we're saying, well, that's wrong. I'm sorry for doing that. I'm going to stop doing that. And then the second step is to head in a new direction and is to live differently and is to do everything we can to avoid falling back into that sinful behavior. So, for example, if you're repenting of gossip, right? So gossip is, is sinful, right? Gossip is, you know, um, definitely putting other people down, uh, you know, treating other people like a bit of entertainment or, you know, perhaps even lying about people to, to make you seem more popular. So you go, all right, don't want to gossip anymore. That's a bad thing. I'm going to stop spreading rumors about people and I'm going to start speaking the truth. I'm going to stop sp thinking worse of people and start thinking the best of people. You see, there's a, a, the second step is really important. If you only stop and go, oh, sorry about that, but then you continue to do that behavior and you don't try and change anything, you don't try and live in a new direction, then you, it's false repentance. All you're doing is doing what we're trained to do from a very early age, which is as soon as you think you've done something wrong, say sorry and people will let you off. Right? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to say sorry, but repentance is a lot deeper than just that. So John was offering baptism that symbolized repentance. So he's saying, um, he's saying if you want to come and say sorry for your sin, if you want to ask God for forgiveness, this is a great way to do it. It's going to symbolize your sin being washed away as you go under the water and you come out forgiven. And if you turned up because baptism was the cool religious thing to do at the time, it was kind of trendy, some of your friends were doing it, um, we saw in the video how John was a bit of a weird dude, <laughs> you know, like you know, living in the desert, eating weird stuff, dressing weird. So he wasn't afraid to give you a piece of his mind if you thought you had false motives. So if you turned up saying, yeah, I want to do repentance, when actually it was just to impress other people, uh, then he'd give you, well, he was not afraid to offend you or hurt your feelings if he thought you were doing it for false motives. So this is what John was doing, and... Uh, it was great. What a great movement. Repenting of sin. Yeah, excellent. Asking God for forgiveness. Excellent. The big question that I've always asked when I've read or heard this passage read is, why did Jesus get baptized? Because in all my involvement at church, I'd always been told that Jesus never sinned. And in fact, in the Bible, which is what Christianity is based on, it says it multiple times very clearly for example hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says jesus was tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin pretty clear so 
if John's baptism was about repenting from sin and stopping sinning, why did Jesus bother? He didn't sin, he didn't need to. Well, um, our passage in Luke today doesn't specifically tell us. But one of the good things about uh, reading some of the stories about Jesus is often they're repeated in other parts of the Bible. So there's actually four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And the story of his baptism is actually in all four of them. And sometimes what you get is when you read the different versions, you get a bit of extra information or a bit more context or you know, you know, something like that. And so if we were to go to Matthew chapter 3, we see the same story. And in verse 15, John asks him this question, which I always ask, which is, Jesus, why do you need to get baptized? You know, this, this whole thing's in preparation for you. Like, what, why, why are you participating in this? And so in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So there's our answer, right? He's getting baptized to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Like, what, yeah, like we've got to. This, okay, all right, so what does righteousness mean? Okay, so righteousness, simple definition is, is being right with God, being in good relationship with God, thumbs up from God. So basically, to, Jesus wants all the things to be right with God. It's still not that clear what, that actually, what, what Jesus is actually saying there. So some smart people who study the Bible for the living and they go and learn it in the original languages and they look in all the historical context, um, they're not entirely sure either. There's a few different ideas. So what I'm going to do for you this morning is share with you the two leading ideas as to why Jesus got baptized. There's other ones, and they're not in competition, right? So this is not like it's either this idea or that idea. You, you know, often they work together, and perhaps it could be a, a number of reasons. But here's the first reason, and it comes from this line in Matthew of fulfilling all righteousness. And that is that one of the things that Jesus did when he came to earth was to show us what it's like for a human being, like me and you, to live in relationship with God live in good relationship with God. You know, Andrew pointed out last week that uh, when he was preaching that uh, sometimes we look at Jesus' death and resurrection and they're so important that we sort of think Jesus' life didn't, didn't mean that much. It was just sort of like a bit of backstory to the main, main event. But Jesus' life is very important and very important for us to not to ignore it. And so when, it's really helpful, right? Because being a Christian... It's not always easy. You know, if you're visiting today and you're thinking perhaps you might become a Christian, just letting you know, if you're trying to take the easy way out in life, don't become a Christian. Right? It's, it's fully worthwhile. I highly recommend it, but it's not the easiest way to live. It's, there's a lot of challenge to it. And so what's really great about Jesus living for you know, 33 years is that we have this human example of someone who lived in perfect relationship with God. And so we can look at Jesus and learn about our relationship with God and learn how to do it by looking at Jesus. And so he's like our ultimate example is how to live as a Christian. And so Jesus didn't need to repent of sin, but everyone here does. We all need to, none of us are perfect, none of us have never done anything wrong, we all have. And so when Jesus gets baptized, it's like he's saying, well, to live in perfect relationship with God, uh, you need to repent. You need to say sorry for the things you've done wrong. And so because baptism is symbolizing that, that's a good thing to do. And because I'm your ultimate example, I'm going to get baptized to show you how important 
repentance is. To show how important it is that we ask God for forgiveness. He didn't need to do it. He didn't need to repent. But as our example, he showed us the best way. So that's the first idea. The second idea is that Jesus was showing his approval for this movement that John had started, right? So there's a bit of cousin love and respect going on. I guess second cousin once removed respect. You know, this, he's respecting what John's doing, right? And so he's actually, by participating in this, Jesus is saying, yes, repentance, baptism for repentance, excellent. I'm giving this the thumbs up. This is a great thing for people to be doing. And if you think about it, if you lead in any context in life, yeah, perhaps in a church context, perhaps leading somewhere else, you know that one of the key things that a leader shouldn't do is to ask people to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself. <laughs> you know, that's a big no-no in leadership. You're not popular when you, do, when you do that. And so perhaps Jesus is doing this. He's going, well, I'm, I'm leading people. I'm, I'm about to take over from John as the main spokesperson uh, for God. And this is a great thing. And so I'm going I'm to show people that this is an excellent thing to be a part of and that they were doing the right thing by getting this baptism for repentance. Now, as I said, these, these ideas, they're not in competition. They could both be 100% true. Um, and so I think we get a pretty good idea why Jesus get baptized from those two ideas. But I think it becomes a little more clear if we look at the next bit and what happens immediately after Jesus is baptized, right? Because he's praying, uh, and it says in verse 22 that heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove... And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So at this point, Jesus actually finished being baptized. The whole going under the water, coming back out again, that's done. And then he's praying, and then a miracle happens. And Jesus experiences what many, many people have wanted to experience throughout history, and that is that he hears the voice of God. And the voice of God says three key things. Jesus is God's son. The Father loves the Son, and the Father is pleased with the Son. This is what the voice says. This is a summary of it. Jesus is God's Son. The Father loves the Son, and the Father is pleased with the Son. Just one short sentence in the Bible. But let me tell you, if these three things from this one sentence were not true, then everything that we're doing here today would be a waste of time. Getting baptized tonight, the guy's getting baptized tonight, That'd be a waste of time. Being a Christian would be a waste of time if these things were not true. So this very profound experience for Jesus, hearing from God, and then this amazing thing that God says about Jesus. That's why Jesus is at the heart of everything that we believe. That's why we say when you're a Christian, you're following Jesus because we believe these three things about him are true. Now, as well as hearing God's voice, we have the dove thing, you know, the John Woo moment. Uh, it's not an actual dove, but it looks like one, and it's the Holy Spirit. Now, when we, the Holy Spirit's all through the Bible, uh, but usually the Holy Spirit is invisible. We just see the results of what the Holy Spirit has done. But right here, we have this visible moment where uh, we see, see the Holy Spirit looking a bit like a dove. And again, it is a sign, just like in those movies, that something very significant is happening. Up until this point in his life, uh, Jesus' life had been fairly low-key. You know, 
he's very well known now, <laughs> and he's very, he was very well known shortly after this, but up until then, he's about 30 years old, not much of a public profile. And in fact, in this January teaching series, we've been looking at what happened between Jesus' birth and right to this moment, Jesus' baptism. And there's not much in the Bible about it because, yeah, it was pretty low-key. He was a pr pretty normal guy going about, you know, learning to, gr you know, growing up and all those sort of things. He actually re reminds me, this weirdly, again, a movie reference, reminds me of the career of Morgan Freeman. Right, so Morgan Freeman uh, is a massive Hollywood actor uh, and he turns 80 this year. And you think, okay, he must have been acting for a long time. And he, he has been acting for a long time. But he really didn't get well-known, like get a really big profile, until the years 1987 to 1989. In that time, he got an Oscar nomination for a role he played in a movie called Street Smart. And then he was in two really big Hollywood movies, uh, Driving Miss Daisy and Glory. And a couple of years after that, he was in the main actor in the movie The Shawshank Redemption, which some people would consider to be the greatest movie of all time. Now, when, his, when his, his, you know, his stardom began and people started to take notice, he was 50. Now, if you think about actors, 50's really old to get your big break. <laughs> you know, like, usually at 50, actors are scrounging, they're too old, you know, and they're scrounging around to get roles. You, you know, oh, it's hard to get roles at this age. Like even Brad Pitt's struggling to sort of, you know, he's in his 50s now and he's struggling to, to get roles. And so it's like starting your career at this point, you know, and now Morgan Freeman, very well known. If you don't recognize this guy, you would probably recognize his voice uh, because he's a very famous voiceover as well as screen actor. And so lo loads and loads of people know who Morgan Freeman is now, but for the first five decades of his life, not many people knew who he was or what he was about. And it's a similar thing for Jesus. For the first three decades of Jesus' life, he was very low, low profile. There were signs that he was special. There were signs that he might be God's son, but it was not particularly obvious and he wasn't making a big deal of it and nobody was really taking any notice of him. But from this moment, with the whole dove and the voice of God and the baptism thing, things change very quickly and Jesus rapidly gets a reputation uh, for being somebody worth taking note of. He, 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 just, he just starts cranking out all sorts of things. So uh, he's doing miracles every other day. He's having conversations uh, and uh, teaching that is controversial and he's challenging the power structures of his society. Uh, he's challenging religious hypocrites. He's breaking down racial barriers uh, and racial divides. He's doing loads of public speaking. He's doing loads of public prayer. And he even gathers around him a posse of followers who follow him around, helping him to do all this stuff. So he's even recognizable because he's always got a crowd following him around. And his baptism indicates that this is the time where Jesus goes public. This is the time where Jesus begins his special mission, which eventually ends with his death and resurrection. And I think when we put all that together and we put those ideas about why Jesus got baptized together, we get why this happened. We understand why this is in the Bible, that this is the moment where, Jesus was, where God was announcing the arrival of Jesus as a public figure. Jesus is the one who is going to change the world. And so this story is here uh, to show us that Jesus' journey to his death and resurrection begins with 
God speaking about his son and saying these three profound things about him. Jesus is God's son. The father, love, the father loves the son. And the father is pleased with the son. As Jesus starts telling people to follow him, God is giving that a massive thumbs up. Saying he loves this. He loves Jesus. And he's pleased with what Jesus is doing. Let me pray for us to finish. Father God, we acknowledge that we do need to repent, that all of us have, at various times in our lives, put ourselves at the centre of everything, ignored you, ignored other people, pushed you away, pushed away other people. And we're sorry for that. Ask that you help us to repent really well. <laughs> to not just stop what we're, the bad stuff for a day or two, but to actually see a change in our lives that helps us move in a better direction. I thank you that when we do that, when we turn to you and we say sorry and we ask for your forgiveness, that your forgiveness is freely given because of Jesus. We thank you that here at his baptism, that journey to the cross begins. Uh, that journey where he makes the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we can be forgiven and so that we can live a new life with you because of his resurrection. Lord, I pray for people who have um, been baptised, who are here today, who have already been baptised. Yeah, may today be a day where they, they celebrate anew you know, the, the relationship they have with you, that they can draw closer to you and, and today could be a day of recommitting to walking with you. And I pray for people, Lord, um, who perhaps haven't been baptised or that this whole story about Jesus, um, this whole Jesus thing is new for them. Thank you that you've brought them here today. Please be teaching them more about you. Help them to understand um, and help them to... Come, yeah, well, we think about those three things you said about Jesus. And we pray that we could, they could come to know those as true. That, that could make an amazing difference in their lives. We ask that you just use the rest of the service to help them reflect on this and help them engage with you in a new way. Amen.